Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store, just search Ketchikan Naz. Thanks for visiting. Hope the Word of God speaks to you today. All right, do you like the Beatles? So, no, get out, go to children's church. All children can go to children's church. We love you, children. Um, we got to work some Beatles into the children's church curriculum somehow. Teach them the classics, right? Right? Um, children, you are dismissed. We've got great children's church curriculum and teachers for you. Uh, the marshals are going down to corral the youngins. And uh, as they work their way out. Adults, uh, like last week, we are going to be... I don't know if you can tell where I've marked. Uh, I've got nine different Bible locations we're going to be at today. So we're going to be looking at a range, a complement of what the Bible says, a context of what the Bible says on a topic. Um, And so you'll just have to follow along with me in the slides as we go. Um, If I, for some reason, don't stay too long on a verse and you need a reference, just holler and we'll get that for you and that will be okay. Um, So we are in a series, Misquoted, that we started last week. Um, And it is the idea that nobody likes to be misquoted, right? Not even, especially, not even God. So when we take something that um, that we don't find in the Bible, but we tack God's name on it and say, well, God must say this, therefore somewhere in the Bible we can take stuff out of context and understand this to be true, we're misquoting God. And so last week, what did we look at? Anybody? Nobody? Thank you. God wants you to be happy. We learned that that wasn't true. God doesn't necessarily focus primarily on our happiness. Though as a good father, he delights when we are happy. There are certain boundaries that he puts on that. He is not going to make us happy if we pursue sin. That was kind of the idea we looked at. So his priority was our holiness, not necessarily our happiness. Okay. Today we're going to look at something kind of similar. Um, we are going to look at... Um, this idea that has seeped into our hearts and minds and cultures without even probably realizing it. Um, God helps those who help themselves, right? Um, have you heard this one before? Yeah. I've seen this passed around on the internet a lot on Facebook with like the Christian meme generator, and it's got this quote or something very similar to this, and at the very bottom it's got like christianencouragement.com or christiansayings.net and these kinds of things. And so we are literally attributing this theology to God and his word, and this is not God's theology. So I'm going to say this really clearly, even though it's on the screen, this is not true, and let me just talk about for a little bit why this is not true. Um, Let me extrapolate. If this were true, and God helps those who help themselves, um, then we can see how this has worked its way into our worldview. Um, For lack of a better example, driving down a street in a large city, you see some homeless people on the side of the road. And they have their hands out and they're asking for money and they've got the sign that says, you know, can you spare some change and that kind of stuff. And the initial thought of people is, well, I'm not going to help them because they should be doing something to help themselves. They should be getting a job. They should be working themselves. They should be bettering themselves before I'm going to expend any resources to help them. 
And this is in part because we have begun to believe God helps those who help themselves. If God's only going to help me, if I'm going to start the process first, then I'm not going to help other people unless they start the process first. And that is directly opposite of grace. And so we want to talk about this this morning. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I did last week. I'm going to talk about things that are not true. Okay? The things I am about to say are the world's view of this theology. These are not what God says. These are the things that we have come to believe. Okay? If the world says you can begin the process of helping yourself, then God will finish the help. Um, then your life will be made easier, your life will be made uh, more straightforward, you will avoid difficulties. If you but can start the process, you can help yourself, then God will continue the process. Now, I looked up the dictionary definition of help. You know what it says? Okay. To make it easier for someone to do something, to improve a problem or situation, to be a benefit of to be a benefit to someone, or to support someone and allow them to move in a specified direction. Nowhere in the definition of help does it say they need to start helping themselves first. Like the very definition of help means they can't do it on their own. So we understand help means you can't do it, yet in our society we've come to believe that you have to start helping yourself before you can receive help. So how about, how about this? Our actions directly influence God's hand in our life. This is what we believe if we say God helps those who help themselves. That our actions directly influence God's hand in our life. If I do something to make myself better, if I just you know, do this or do that, then God will help me. I will be, in essence, controlling God's actions by my own actions. That's what we believe when we say God helps those who who help themselves. God won't act first unless we act. Um, we instigate and God follows our lead is what we mean when we say this. We are the ones that are controlling God if we believe this. Um, what about this? It teaches us that we must prove our worth by our actions. God's not going to dip into his benevolent basket of bounty and throw things upon us unless we first can prove that we are worthy of those things, right? So we must first show God that we are worthy. We must do something to prove to him that we can receive what he has for us. And that's just not true. And so we live our lives in this kind of concept. It feeds the idea that God blesses wherever I'm going to put effort, which we learned last week isn't necessarily true, right? And um, it feeds the idea that um, uh, if we attach God's name to something... Uh, then, um, then it's biblical. God helps those who help themselves. Well, that sounds biblical, right? To someone who's not a Christian, if you put God's name on it and you are a Christian, you are telling people this is what God's word teaches. This is how God will act to you. And we don't want to give a false impression of God, do we? So we need to challenge the way that we think about the things that we pass around the internet, the way that we speak, and that's why we're tackling this quote today. God helps those who help themselves. Now, as it's crept into the Christian worldview, um, it has caused God-fearing people with really good intentions to say things like this. If you just prayed more, fill in the blank. If you had more faith, God would have... If you were a better Christian, if you came to Bible study, then God would have... Well, 
If you just memorize scripture, if you follow this process of being holy, if you just do this, then God will because you have to start the process first before God will help you. And so if you're not getting help, clearly you're a horrible sinner who's turned their back on God, who's not trying hard enough. That doesn't sound encouraging, does it? No. But that's the translation of God helps those who help themselves. That's what we tell people. I mean, let's, let's just think about this very, very honestly for a moment. You go to a hospital to visit someone, and they have been in a, uh, a horrible car wreck, okay? And they're in one of those full body casts with the foot up in the thing, you know? They can't move, and, and they're okay, but it's going to be a long road. And they're sad, and they're telling you about how much pain they're in, and how they wished that this wasn't going to be a long, difficult journey and how they were going to lose work and they weren't sure how they were going to pay for things. And they say, you're a believer. Um, can you give me any kind of encouragement? Well, um, God helps those who help themselves. If you can just get started on this, God will help you. That's how silly this is. Now, in our own spiritual condition, we are no more capable of helping ourselves than the person who is in the full body cast. We cannot help ourselves out of our own spiritual condition, which is why this God helps those who helps themselves concept is so offensive to me as a pastor because it tells people you must work to earn your salvation. And that could not be further from the truth. Salvation is a gift from God, and that's what we're going to look at now. I want to look at what God's word says about how we receive help from the Lord, not what the world says. Um, so I want to quote somebody here, okay? Um, I'm going to quote Charles Spurgeon. Are you familiar with that name? He's a preacher from the 1800s, and he put it much better than I can put it. Um, and so when someone says it's smarter and better than me, I'm going to say it like they said it. This is what Charles Spurgeon said. God helps those who cannot help themselves. Our need is God's opportunity, and he is never slow to begin when we have reached the end of our own power and wisdom. I like that. When we have nothing left, when we have no hope, when we seemingly are left with absolutely nothing, and the world offers us, God helps those who help themselves, cheer up, it'll get better, just do your best. Um, God's word tells us that's when God steps in. When we absolutely have no ability to change our own situation, that's when God comes in in great force and great power. That's why we sang that song today, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, because that's what scripture says. He's a mighty fortress, a bore, something that is... Uh, steadfast and immovable despite circumstances, no matter what's going on in our life, God can be an ever-present help. And we don't have to instigate that. God instigates that. So I'm going to look at what God's Word says. Um, so I've got to follow my notes here because I've got note pages all over the place. Um, here's the first thing that we know from Scripture about God helping us. God helps us by saving us through grace. God helps us by saving us through grace. So if you've got your notes and you're taking, uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace, through faith. This is not of your own doing. You didn't do this, is what God is telling you. It's the gift of God. And it's not a result of your works. You can't boast about this. Your salvation is not something you can ever say, I started it, God finished it. I worked hard enough and proved my worth to him, he completed it. This is not ever anything you can say, I was sinful, I didn't like my sin, I cleansed myself of sin, and God gave me the stamp of approval. 
That's what the world will tell us. That's not what God's word tells us. God's word says it is by grace and gift from God who says, I see how helpless you are in that hospital bed of your own soul care. Let me come to you and visit you with encouragement and grace and gift and love and mercy to you. And it's not of your own work. It's a completely free gift. You cannot boast when God heals you. You can't say, I played a part in that. You say, God did a great work in my life. To God be the glory. That's uh, what it says in Ephesians. In 2 Timothy 1.9, it says this. God saved us. He saved us. Not like God in us saved us. God saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works. Not because of our works. Nothing that we've done brings us to the salvation. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace through Jesus. Why did God save us? Because he purposed to. He desired to. He was the initiator in our salvation. He worked it for us, not because we worked it and he approved of it. We have been saved by grace through faith, not of our own work. So we must immediately right now throw off the table the idea that we live in a works-based faith society. We don't live in a works-based faith. Our culture is works-based. You work harder, you get more. You work harder, you're noticed and blessed by the employer. You work harder, so forth and so on. In God's economy, it is not the same. In God's economy, it is simply grace. It is simply a free gift. It is simply God loves you and he bestows upon you salvation. What about this? God helps by saving everyone who calls. So it's not just a gift of grace. It's a gift of grace to everyone. God helps us by saving everyone who calls on him. Let's look at Romans 10, 12 through 13. I uh, shortened up the verse a little bit, so let me get you the whole, the whole enchilada on this one. Romans 10, 12 through 13. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what you're currently doing, it doesn't matter anything. What matters is that simply you say his name and he is right there with you saying, let me bestow upon you all the good grace that I have to give you and it's endless and bountiful and wonderful. And you're not doing it, I'm doing it, which means it's going to be so much more complete than anything you could ever do for yourself. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He doesn't say this, get your life clean and then I'll save you. Take care of that one sin that's kind of... and If you could just take care of that first, then I will save you. He doesn't say that. He says, everyone who calls on my name will be saved. He says, literally bring to me all of the mess and all of the pain and all of the sorrow and all of the ick and all of the everything that goes on in your worldview. And I will provide for you the sole means by which your heart and soul and mind and body can be purified and cleansed and made holy. God is the sole provider for those things. And he says, everyone who calls on my name will receive that. No ifs, ands, or buts. He's a good dad. If a child says, help, in a truly desperate way, does not the parent run immediately to the child's side and help provide and care for and wrap their arms around it and love and cherish and kiss the boo-boos and provide for everything that's needed to fix that situation? Yes. And that is what God is for us. He's a good father who loves us and call, comes when we call. 
Um, so there's this idea of being saved, right? So God helps people escape from sin. I mean, it's one thing that our penalty of sin is erased, right? So when God died on the cross, he died for our sins. And so when we call on him, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We are made clean before God and holy, but we still struggle, right? So we are Christians, but we still sin. Can I get an amen so I'm not the only one? Okay. So we still have this problem with sin in our life, but there's this way that God helps us, not just forgiving us from our sins, the ones that we've done and the ones that we will do, but he helps us escape from sin. So let's read uh, this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. When you are tempted... God will provide a way of escape so that you can endure through the temptation. So here's the idea. As believers, we trust God. We have called upon his name. We have been saved from our sin and the penalties of it. But we still struggle with sin and we still need help. And there are moments in our life when we are tempted and we see, I could go this way and it's the way God would like me to go. Or I could go this way and it's the way I really want to go. Right? Because sometimes sin doesn't look bad. Sin looks really good, really appealing, really tempting. Sometimes it doesn't. You can just be like, it's not really. I mean, that's not, it's not as bad as, you know, so I can do this and it's not going to be terrible. And we justify and we wiggle our way into sin. And God says, listen, there's a better way. I can help you escape sin. I can help you choose a better way. I will provide a way of escape for you. And that way of escape sometimes is the Holy Spirit within you going, don't you do that. You come back to me. Stop doing that. And you hear the voice of God kind of chastising you. The Holy Spirit does that. Now, another way that he might help you provide a way out, a friend might come along and say, hey, I can tell you're struggling. Let me pray with you and encourage you. Okay, That's another way. Sometimes you read God's word and it says, flee from temptation. And you're like, okay, that's a way God helps you. God works in many ways to help you escape the, the sin. Being tempted is not the same as sinning, right? So Jesus was tempted with everything we have been tempted with, but he did so without sin. So being tempted is not a sin. Following through on the temptation to commit the act is the sinful part. And God says, you're going to be tempted a lot in your life. But there is a way to avoid stepping in the sin's snare. And I will provide that for you if you will but ask for help. So in the moment when we sit before sin's doorstep and we're not sure if we want to do it or not, and we want to do it, but we're not sure if we have the strength to resist it, in those moments are the times that we should call upon the name of the Lord and he is faithful to show up and provide a way out for us. We need to be more diligent in doing that. God helps people escape sin. God helps in times of trial. Well, pastor, it's all well and good that you talk about our soul care. It's great that I'm saved from my sin. But you want to know what? Life's gone down the tank recently, and I've got X problem and Y problem and Z problem, and now we're going to wrap back around to the beginning of the alphabet, and I'm going to get the double A problem and the double B problem and the double C problem. I'm pretty sure the way my luck's going, I'll get to double Z and we'll get back to the triple A problem. My life is terrible. How is God going to help me now? How's he going to help me? I don't have a job, I don't have a car, I don't have a home. All these things that go wrong. Scripture tells us that God helps in times of trial, all through the Psalms. I mean, you just want to read some really raw life experiences. Read the Psalms. They're pretty raw. Psalm 69, save me, O God. The water is up to my neck. I'm sinking deep in mud. There is no solid ground. I am way out in deep water, and he continues, and I'm drowning. 
the imagery here is pretty significantly terrifying to someone who's scared of water. Okay? So when I read this psalm, I kind of get the, the intense idea of how terrified he is of what's going wrong in his life. Things are so bad in his life right now, he's saying, if something doesn't change, I'm going to die. It is so bad that I am going to die. Save me, God. Psalm 86. Hear my prayer. Hear my cry for help. I call to you in times of trouble because you answer my prayers. There is no God like you. When I am drowning in the muck of life, when I call out to God, he answers my prayers. Psalm 46.1, which is where we got uh, a mighty fortress is our God. God is our shelter and our strength. He is always ready to help in time of trouble. All we got to do is ask. All we got to do is say, help, save me, God. Wave the white flag. Just call out desperately. Just, and God is there. And he is always present to help. Always willing to offer what we need. Not necessarily what we want. Uh, you read the book of uh, Jonah? Um, okay, Jonah didn't want to go and do what God told him to do, so he ended up on the boat, right? The boat got in a big storm, and the people on the boat were like, we don't know what's going on, and Jonah's like, it's me, I upset God, you should throw me overboard, and the people were like, we shouldn't have taken you on the boat, but they threw him overboard, okay? And if you read Jonah chapter 2, you will read this um, story, this prayer of Jonah sinking to the bottom of the ocean and the snare of the seaweed that is tangling him and how he's drowning and desperate and life is literally leaving his lungs and God sent a whale and swallowed him up. Now, when you pray for salvation from life's troubles, like Jonah, you might not be expecting the solution God is going to provide, okay? God saved Jonah. According to God's will and plan. It was not exactly what Jonah had in mind. Three days in a whale, okay? But was his life saved? Was God able to help? Was God sovereign enough to do that? And was it good for Jonah in the long run and brought glory to God as well? Yes. God helps in great and mysterious ways. Now there's something else. Um, in the New Testament, Jesus was present with his disciples, and he talked about how he was the helper, there to help them understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, and how he was moving forward with this new covenant, and he was here to help them with that. But then he was going to leave at a certain point, and Jesus promises you a personal helper, right? So Jesus isn't here on earth physically in the same way that he was with the disciples. And so sometimes Christians go, I don't know if God can still help me. I hear that. I don't know if God can help me in this. God is sovereign. He can help in anything, okay? And Jesus promises that he will send you a personal helper. Personal, like one-on-one -on -one tutoring for you in your life's troubles, okay? A one-on-one -on -one personal helper. John 14, 16 and 26. And I'm going to get there right now. Space number eight. Got to find a better way to mark my Bible, okay? John 14, verses 16 and 26. I will ask the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another helper, in addition to myself, because I'm going away, Jesus is saying that. He'll give you another helper who will stay with you forever. And forever means? Forever. forever, right? So you will always have a personal helper. And then in verse 26, it says this. The helper, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance to you all the things that I have said to you. So my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Here's the idea. God wants to help you. 
And he's going to send you a personal helper. He has given us the Holy Spirit. The word in Greek that they translated Holy Spirit is the word paraclete. Okay? Fact free for the day. You want to know what that word means? One who helps. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is literally the one who helps you. He's the one who convicts you of your sin and says, don't go down that path. He's the one that says, yeah, that's right. Pray that prayer. Serve that person. Read your scripture. Join in fellowship. He is the one that encourages you um, to do the holy thing and discourages you from doing the unholy thing. God will send you a personal helper. And this is his plan for your life. That you will live in step with the personal helper all the days of your life and then have access at any given point in your life, no matter what is going on, to help. Abundant help, amazing help, glorious help, mind-blowing help. What about this? Uh, Romans 8.26. The helper is the Holy Spirit. My father, oh, that, that's the John 14. Okay. Roman, hmm. where'd this one come from? Well, we'll roll with it. I don't know, it's not on my notes. We'll call that Jesus. Uh, the Spirit comes to help us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray. But the Spirit pleads with God for us in groans that words cannot express. Any of you been there in that moment in life? Yeah. Life is like, yeah, yeah, me, yeah, me too. Literally, me too. I have been on death's doorstep in a hospital bed. And I paged the nurses. And I tried all of the medicine. I did what they told me. And I could literally feel, I was bleeding out internally, I could literally feel myself dying. And I tried for two hours to do everything in my power to fix the situation. And I kid you not, the last thing that crossed my mind was to call out for Jesus. But I kid you not, in a really tangible way, I felt a presence on the edge of my bed. Because I called out, Jesus! I didn't give cry help. He just knew what I meant. Groans too deep for words. And I, you know that feeling when someone sits on your bed and you kind of feel the mattress go down? There was that sensation on the bed with me. And he said, I'm with you. He didn't promise anything other than, I'm with you. But do you want to know what, in that moment, that was all the comfort I needed. That was all the help I needed. I passed out shortly thereafter, and I'm fine now. But God helped me, okay? Um, he sustained me. And in that moment, I didn't really care what the outcome was because God was there helping me. Either way, it would have been okay at that point because I was with God and God was with me and he was helping me. Um, I don't know if I have the Romans verse up here. I don't. Okay, so here's the Romans uh, 8.26. Put it in my notes for some reason, so God must want me to read it. Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray. Well, that was the Romans verse. Okay, it's not James. I don't know what that James verse says. Look it up and it may encourage you this week. Um, so that's the Romans verse. That's Romans 8.26, okay? Um, and who knows better than Jesus what we need when we need it? That is why he gave us the personal helper. So um, our Christian rally cry is not God helps us when we help ourselves. That is not what we go to when we need help. Our Christian rally cry is rather God helps me when I'm helpless. That's what we claim about God. Not, I work and then he works, but I can't work and he does work. It is not my work, but his work. This is our rally cry. God helps me when I'm helpless. And so I want to ask you just a very simple question this morning. 
Where do you need God's help? This is not a challenging question because we are people and we all need help in some way, shape, or form. Where do you need God's help? There is nothing too large or too small, is what I tell my daughter, that you can't take to the throne of God. There is nothing too insignificant or too great. There is nothing, something that God will say, I don't care about that, I'm not helping. And there is nothing so big that God can't fix it for his glory and our good. So everything in our life should be laid before the throne of God. Where do we need help this morning as individuals? Is it for salvation? Have we trusted on God to forgive us for our sins? Have we asked him to help us for the greatest thing we could ever need? Salvation for our souls. Have we asked him to encourage us through a rough patch in life? To um, provide a way out from temptation when we're struggling with something? Now, to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a way that perhaps we haven't been. Yeah, it's great that I have a helper. I have no access to the helper sometimes we feel. So maybe your prayer for help this morning is simply, God, I really want to know that that helper's by my side. Not just by my side, but in my heart. Not just in my heart, but working through me and in me at all times. And I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the helper is here this morning. Um, God's help comes by His grace, not our works. It comes by His initiative, not our effort. It comes by His perfect character, not our daily striving for stuff. And Hebrews, um, Hebrews tells us that we can, with confidence, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. We can, with confidence, Ask God for whatever it is that we need help with this morning. And he is a good father and he is faithful to provide for our needs. Should we do that in prayer now? And then we will worship. Lord, um, you're such a good father and you love us so much. And I'm getting just a snippet of fatherhood as I look at my daughter. And sometimes I watch her strive and strive and strive. When if she would just ask for help, I would be so willing to step in. And help. Sometimes it would mean teaching her to do something. Sometimes it would mean just preventing something from happening. Lord, you want to do that in our lives too. You want to teach us how to walk with you. You want to fill us with your Holy Spirit. You want to help us escape sin. You want to forgive our sins. You want to love us forever and ever. And you want to stand by our side the entire time. You sent us a personal helper, one on one buddy me and God together in this life journey. Whatever it is that we need help for, God, you're big enough to handle. And in our pride, we don't take things to you because we think we can handle it. It's our life. I can sort this out. I don't need God for this. And we might not say those words, God, but that's what our actions and heart are saying. And we need to confess that this morning, Father, that we need you. We are helpless without you. Apart from you, our life would be going down a completely different trajectory. So, Father, as we worship you this morning, may you work in our hearts. May you provide the help that we so desperately need. Maybe in ways that we're not even sure that we want. But if it's help from your hand, Father, it is help that will be for our good and for your glory. And as Christians, Father, that's what we want. That's what we proclaim. We are helpless. And you are the helper. And we place our lives and our hearts in your hands this morning. 
And with eyes closed and heads bowed, if there's anyone in this room this morning that recognizes for whatever reason they need help from God, would you just flick your hand up in the air so that I can see? Yeah, I see that. Thank you. Yep. More importantly, though, God sees those hands and he sees those hearts. And right now in this moment, Father, would you go to those people specifically and would you touch their life in such a way that they know that you heard? Would you do it in a way that is comforting and encouraging? And would you do it for the rest of us too? Because I'm pretty sure there were other hands that weren't raised. Things that will dawn on us later in the day and the week when we realize, oh, I need help for that. God, would you help us with those things? We love you dearly, and we trust you for our lives. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.